20 kids in hoodies, you're crossing the road. 20 kids in running vests and little shorts, you're applauding. Yes. So let's yes. see what we can yeah. do. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Hi, welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. I am so happy to introduce you to today's guest. He is someone that has inspired me personally for many years, someone who is passionate and dedicated to helping others. He is a writer, a poet, TEDx speaker, mentor, and founder of an epic global running community, Rundem Crew, the <laughs> wonderful Charlie Dark. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Honestly, I really, I can't thank you enough personally, and on behalf of pretty much all London runners, I honestly <laughs> don't think that you will ever know the scale of the impact that you've had on the urban running scene. So thank uh, you on behalf of all of us. Very kind of you, very kind of you indeed. <laughs> so for anyone who is listening who doesn't know who Charlie Dark is or has never heard anything about Random Crew, firstly, where have you been? And secondly, <laughs> do not worry, we are going to dive into it all later. So I would like to kick off this episode by kind of taking it back because I know many people will know you as a runner, as yeah. a running coach. But you haven't always been a runner. No, not at all. You used to have a very different lifestyle. Very different. Back day. in the day. Yep. <laughs> so I know that you used to be a DJ yep. and that you used to teach poetry writing classes. Mm -hmm. And I read a quote from you that said, I started running at night because I was embarrassed to run during the day because I didn't want my children, the students, to see me sweating in the street. That's very true. <laughs> so, Charlie, can you talk to me? Take me back to, yeah, the start and talk us through your fascinating journey. <laughs> I guess the beginning of my story kind of really begins around 1989. Left school, um, went to a really amazing school in Dulwich with loads of people who were quite famous. Went to school with Jude Law. This is this kind of thing. And Florence and Machine went to my school. And cool. there were all these people kind of who were in the music industry who've kind of come out of my school. And, you know, I kind of came out imagining that the world would just be like school. And okay. it wasn't. It was a really big wake-up call. So kind of scraped for A-levels, got into uni, and then got claimed by the music industry, you know, okay. very quickly. Um, but before that, I kind of started working as a hairdresser in Soho. Mm -hmm. So I've got this kind of hairdressing past, for, which I had for a while, and then kind of got into music. And then around about 95, 94, I think I met James Lavelle. Okay. Who set up a record label called Moax. And then... Started making records for him under the moniker of Attica Blues. Mm -hmm. And a kind of very successful DJ production and recording career. Ended up at Sony Records as right. well. 
we got signed around the same time as Destiny's Child. Nice. <laughs> kind of Good times. Many times, kind of in the office, kind of looking at Beyonce and the rest of them, thinking, ah, they're okay, they're a bit pop. And, uh, what? That's not mad. As, not as cool as my band. <laughs> Little did I know. Um, and yeah, so I kind of started easing out of, you know, everyday record company business kind of around you know 2000 2001 but during that time I'd, I've always written poetry I wrote a lot of poetry when I was at school it was kind of a coping mechanism it was a way of documenting my emotions and what I was feeling mm. at the time I had an English teacher who really encouraged me to kind of pick up the pen and to write that's great and did you share that writing or was it just a personal kind of thing originally I was just kind of keeping it to myself yeah but around about 91 92 um I kind of got very disillusioned with hip-hop Music, mm. which I'd been immersed in since like '83, I was kind of like you know one of those kids who was in the first wave of you know hip hop fans when it arrived in the country. I was kind of you know it changed the way I spoke, changed the clothes I wore, culture, changed the people okay. I spoke, uh, you know, I hung around, the places I went to, and I just kind of woke up and just kind of thought to myself, actually, you know, this music is really amazing, but it doesn't really speak to the life that I'm really living. Right. Because I don't have a Jeep. <laughs> I don't have any gold. No, I mean? really? Yeah, I don't have any gold. <laughs> and so um, I kind of um, had started writing because really I wanted to rap. Sure. I wanted to be an MC. I but can no... see you doing that. Like, I feel like that is so, a very... So badly wanted to rap. Yeah. But in those days, you kind of, you know, you if you had an English accent, it wasn't happening. Right. There were very few people from the UK who were kind of rapping... Um, at a level that people were like yeah this guy's okay mm. which know? is crazy now when you think about like the rap scene and how much that's changed you know yeah I mean it's crazy and especially the fact that you know a lot of the kind of MCs are around now are from Africa right sure you know yeah. it's kind of which in my you know my parents are from Ghana mm -hmm. it just wasn't happening yeah so um, they weren't ready for you they weren't ready <laughs> Janet, they were not ready for me <laughs> so um, yeah I started kind of writing the poetry and then I formed this poetry collective called the Urban Poet Society UPS early 90s and that was a kind of a reaction to the fact that we couldn't get any gigs couldn't get any stages and we were kind of you know the poetry world was very closed mm. to people who were coming into it from this kind of lyrical hip-hop angle they just weren't having it sure and my thing has always been about rebellion and disruption mm -hmm. so I was just like right you essentially have dissed us you know, you don't, you're not welcoming us into the family. Yeah. So we're going to create something that's going to be bigger than you could ever, you know, you would ever imagine. Mm. And we set up the Urban Poet Society and started doing poetry jams in Brixton. Um, they were called Speaker's Corner. And what we recognised, there were lots of other people from different fields, you know, artists, MCs, you know, dancers, people who were desperate to get on a stage mm. that were kind of been denied entry. Right. So we were like, right, come on down. This is a space for you. Loads of people came through yeah. who've gone on to bigger and greater things. And it was just a really beautiful kind of melting pot of creative people coming together. I love that attitude. Like, you know, what you're saying there, I feel so many people, you know, they've got a reason, oh, I can't get into this or, you know, my circumstances or I haven't had that opportunity or I don't know anyone. And there's all of these barriers and excuses. But I love that attitude that's like, OK, well, if we can't get in that or we can't be a part of that, let's create our own. You yeah. know, I think there's people who do that and they, they just, they're so willing and determined that they're going to do it. They'll, yeah. They will create their own. And as you said, it goes on to be far bigger and far better. I think, I just think we've grown up in a time over the last decade where people see other people doing well mm. and they see the ascent, you know, 
from bedroom to stage and they see it being quite quick. And so there's this kind of, this feeling amongst people that, well, my journey should be just as quick as that. Sure. Or doors should be opened for me. But my, I came from an era when there was no social media. Mm. You know, if you wanted to do things, you had to go a certain route and those doors were often blocked towards you. So loads of people around me just gave up. Yeah. And my thing was just kind of like, I can't give up because I was so desperate to have a voice yeah. and to be listened to and to be heard. And, you know, that I was just like, I'm just going to create my alternative space. But that, again, came from my time in the particular time that I kind of was immersed in the music industry mm. was very much about DIY. So it was this idea of kind of, you know, we can't get into clubs. So we're going to find a warehouse and we're going to put a sound system in. And then that's essentially going to be our, our version of the club. Yeah. So I came from that culture. That's so unfortunately that is all I know. Yeah. Well, you it know. turned out well. It's turned out. And okay. you weren't running then. I was run. I ran a lot of school. Okay. So like most people, um, school offered kind of regular opportunities mm -hmm. to be physically active. Yeah. And my school had, you know, was, you know, known for it, the fact they had an amazing football team and amazing track team, amazing swimming team. And we had like people who went to the Olympics that came from our school and right. cricketers and all these kind of people. So, um, I, you know, I ran track, I ran 400 meters, 800 meters cross country when I was at school, played football, went okay. to university, Yeah. you know, started listening, discovered clubs and was yeah. like, oh, I don't want to run around in one anyway. <laughs> but more it was just because I was surrounded by people who were into sport. Okay. They were yeah. all music heads. Right. And, you know, in those days, it was very much like people who exercised generally exercised for aesthetic reasons, mm -hmm. i.e. I want my chest to look big yep. so that I can intimidate people. Right. And I was just like, I don't want to be one of those kind of intimidating guys in the neighborhood just walking around with my boxing my top off, you know, and scaring people. Mm, yeah. So I, I was, yeah, so I didn't, I never gravitated towards the gym. Yeah. You yep. know, because the gym was an intimidating place. Mm, that gym culture. Yeah, is a thing. And I think as well, um, from a female perspective, I, I think at that time it was more working out exercise. All of those things were just literally a goal for weight loss. It yeah. was like burn calories, lose weight, work out. It was like, why else would you go to the gym? Like all of the kind yeah. of um, the narrative around everything then was, you know, you just go to sweat. You just go to punish yourself. You just go to burn off that, I don't know, piece of cake or wine yeah. or whatever, um, which is, yeah, thank goodness it has changed over time. Um, I think there is still, unfortunately, still, probably I mean, an element of that. Yeah. But I think this, people are yeah now waking up to the host of benefits from exercise, from uh, mental health benefits, physical benefits, you know, community, socialise, it's so many things. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that is, you know, what Rundem Crew has done for so many people. But how did that how did that get started? How did it go from you kind of, you know, going out for your run where you didn't want anyone to see you to the, the huge global community that it is <laughs> now? I mean, it almost just seems... I bet, did you, you kind of imagine that it would have grown to what it has become I, now? I never imagined Run Them would get to as big as it's got. Mm -hmm. I really didn't. But I think we were very fortunate in that there were certain cultural shifts that happened along the Run Them crew journey. So, sure. you know, we started in the MySpace era. Oh, okay. That's when, you know, when we first kind of popped up around 2006, 2007. When Twitter came, mm -hmm. it basically then allowed us to be like, you know, I ran on Saturday Sunday. But on Monday, I was in the studio. You could actually talk about that. Yeah. So that was kind of like, people could then see that this was becoming a bit of a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, you weren't just running and talking about running 24-7. When Instagram came, obviously they added a visual element. And yeah. then that kind of, you know, allowed the international connections to start happening and to, you know, 
that's the way to unfold. But for myself, you know, I literally woke up one day, um, probably around 2006, and I looked in the mirror and I was just like, I'm really not happy. Right. You know, and it was one of those really strange things where I'd kind of accumulated all of the material things that I wanted. Sure. So okay. I had a Mercedes G-Wagon in the days when you drive that down the street <laughs> and people think you were driving a tank. They didn't even know what it was. Like, there was one place in London you could go to get it repaired and it yeah. was super expensive. And be right, I only bought one because Jazzy B from Soul, Soul had one and I was like, I saw him with one and I think Dan- Dancing Danny D had one. Like, basically all the producers I kind of respected, right. they had them. So, so like, you'd made it, you'd made it. I got one of those. I had like 400 pairs of trainers in my record, collect- you know, s- sneakers that I'd collected. Yeah. 40,000 records wow and I know you still have a lot of them I've still got a lot of of tunes in the boxes that's just a very small corner of the collection that people get to see on Instagram but um, I had all this stuff I had all the things I wanted you know I kind of I was seeing this girl who's living um, in New York I was kind of travelling back and forth to New York a lot every six weeks I was balling you know but I just ticking all the boxes I just woke up one day I was just like you know what I actually just don't I'm not happy. I'm not happy with the way I look and I'm not happy with the way I feel inside. Right. And I'm not happy with the, the, the world that I've created around me and I want more. Wow. And um, I literally, I think it was Christmas Day. I've been reading this thing about Daley Thompson. I saw this picture of Daley Thompson and they were, they were like, Daley Thompson always trained on Christmas Day. Right. And there's, re- you know, there's a really famous picture of Daley Thompson at the end of an event and he's standing up and everyone else is on the floor battered. Right. And I was like, right. <laughs> I liked Daley Thompson when I was a kid. Yeah. I want to be Daley Thompson. Right. Grabbed a pair of Air Force Ones from the- Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Day. Went out, tried to run as quickly as I could. Because, you know, when I was at school, I was, you know, I was fast. I yeah. was like, you know, running 100 metres. Like, um, and I lasted about five minutes. Yep. Not even that. It was so, emb- and I just remember it being really embarrassed. And then I remember like someone walking past me. He kind of looked at me with like, mate, it's Christmas Day. What are you doing? What are you doing? But so many people, I think, when they first run, this is when people tell me, Adrian, I can't run. I hate running. And I'm yeah. like, you're running too fast. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. is a common mistake, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. New runners, it's like, yeah. right, run fast, fast. And then you're like, you don't have to run as fast as you can. You can jog. You can slow it down. You can exactly. take a breath, you know, look around and people are like, oh, actually running, maybe I can run. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone can run. It's a primal feeling that we all have you yeah. run towards people you love run away from danger run for survival it's kind of but I think every time you, it's one of those things that's so easy to do because it's just putting one foot in front of the other yeah. that people think they should everyone thinks they should automatically be good at it mm-hmm. and the barometer of being good at running you know has always been how fast can you go mm, yes you yeah, know that's right. a very old school kind of yeah. if you can run fast then you're a good runner mm. and so um, you know I just went out Christmas day you know and came back really quickly <laughs> back into the house five minutes you know and everyone was kind of like oh you're back already how was how's, how's, how's your run how's yeah how's your run out? that was you weren't away for very long and so you immediately just felt very deflated right so I thought right okay you know how am I gonna and I've tried another couple of times kind of going to the park and running around that because you know if you tell someone you've run around the park that's impressive to them because okay. a park is a, is a is a kind of area they can yes. imagine and that didn't work and then eventually I was just like you know I was in the studio one day and um, I used to have a studio on Cambridge or Heath Road mm-hmm. and I was between um, a producer called Lofa 
and a producer called The Bug, who were ba- who at that time were making a lot of dubstep. Okay. And I was kind of sandwiched in the tiniest studio in the complex, being blasted by bass, <laughs> you know. But there was this kind of thing where they, the type of music they were making was very scenic, very soundtracky, you know. And it just kind of sparked this idea for me, like, look, you know what? What about if I started running at night? What about if I started making music for my, to soundtrack my runs? You know, because it was a really gnarly area where my studio was at, at that time. You know, obviously gentrification has come and swept in. Okay. But um, it was gnarly, you know, and it was kind of, it was above an old pool hall and there was all these characters who'd just be hanging out and it was kind of a real mission to get into the building and get out. So I just started running home from the studio at night. You know, come out, run through Hackney into Stratford, run through Victoria Park. And then this all coincided with... Um, really immersing myself in the world of computer games so I had this kind of thing I was like I'd been to um, Korea and I'd seen um, a, a gaming lounge and I'd seen that people having these competitions and I was like I'm going to become a pro gamer Okay. I'm like you know this record company thing I'm kind of a bit over it now Yeah. but you know I know that this thing in kind of Asia is really big where yeah. kids are kind of like winning big money and they're playing Xbox and you know for you know, as a profession, I was like, right, I'm going to become a pro gamer. So I started really putting in the hours yeah. on the gaming. But I kind of, um, through doing that, I kind of got into playing a drive. I think it was a driving game, and it was a game where you drove around and you kind of conquered different areas. Okay. I was like, right, I want to be all city. I'm seeing a theme here, Charlie. I'm seeing a theme here. <laughs> Honestly, I can relate to this so much because I'm such an all or nothing person, yeah. and I can relate to this thing of you know, some people they just dip their toe in the water. They're like, okay. For example, I want to learn to play the guitar. So they yeah. get a guitar, they fiddle around on it. When I decided I wanted to get a guitar, I am on that guitar eight hours a day because this is what I'm doing now. And yeah. I think, you know, hearing you say that, I'm just seeing this theme of you're like, if I'm going to do this, I am going to do this. Yeah. All or nothing, like 100%. So yeah, so that kind of thing. And then, you know, my, I was playing a lot of computer games and it was all about conquering territories. And so I'm like, right, you know, London... You know, it's got X amount of boroughs. I'm going to start running from here to here. I'm going to get these stickers made. I'm going to stick them up, like, so, to show people that I've been here. And I kind of just was on this covert mission for about a year. I just running that. by myself. And then my friends started to notice. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> because, you know, you lost weight. You know, because I was about three stone heavier than I am now. So okay. they're like, you're losing weight. Yeah. You know, your skin looks, you just look alive. Like, yeah. you look like you're doing something like... You taking drugs? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know. And I was just like, no, I just, I've been running. Yeah. And they all fell out of the room laughing. Like, oh, man, no way. I'm like, no, I'm seriously, like, I'm running. I'm like, I'm doing races undercover. And like, I'm really into it. It's a really amazing world. Because I was learning so much about myself. Yes. And I think what happens is, when you get into a profession and you become successful, you start to lose the drive of a teenager. The drive of a teenager when you're sitting in your bedroom and it's kind of like, you know, it's either you and your village by yourself pretending to be Tupac or, you know, you've got all these dreams when you're in your bedroom of things that, of things that you want to aspire to do and achieve. Yeah. And then you get into that industry and you start, you know, bossing it up. And then eventually you start to take your foot off the accelerator because you mm. don't have to have it down. So you don't have to drive so fast. Mm. So then you start enjoying the life. Yeah. Suddenly you're like, oh, you're enjoying the hotels and the flying first class and the kind of, you know, the, the bougie parties. And you, you know what I mean? I mean, and so you start to lose your edge. Mm. You know, this is the reason one is you start losing your hunger. Yeah. You know, and I'd lost my hunger for life, for music, for everything. And so this had this was suddenly making me refine myself, mm. and I was just excited by life again, which I hadn't been. And what I loved about it 
is that no one else was doing it. Right. It wasn't this thing where now, like, you know, you walk around Shoreditch and everyone's in athleisure. Yeah. You know, everyone goes gym, everyone's posting about the fitness journey. Like, that was not happening. Mm. So um, a couple of friends were like, you know, we don't know what you're doing, but if it's working for you, then let's get on this. Yeah, because they could see it, right? I think that's really powerful. When people see something, as you mm. described, it's like you can tell people all day, you know, oh, yeah. you should do this or you should do that, but your actions will speak tenfold to them. As soon as yeah. they see something, they're like, hang on, I want it. Whatever they see, they want that. Yeah. It's so much more powerful than telling people what to do. Yeah, I mean, people could see it. It was just like, this guy's deliberately missing the bus at the bus stop so he can race the bus to the next bus stop and then getting on and just sitting down and he's not sweating. I was on some. I was on a mission, man. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's myself, my friend Morgan, um, Andrew, a couple of other people. You know, we get together five of us every Friday night. We run a mile. Yeah. We'd meet in. Um, my friend had a flat in Columbia Road. We run the tower blocks in Columbia Road, and we'd run from there to the gates of Victoria Park. Okay, one and mile. It's about a mile, yeah. if that. <laughs> And then if we were really feeling energetic, we might kind of run a small loop around the park. Yeah. But generally ran to the gates, took a picture, you know, walked or, walked or jogged back. Yeah. And then we went for food. Nice. That was the beginning of running crew. You know what I mean? That was kind of how it began. Because I'd been running, um, I was running um, through Stratford, I think. And I'd run past the, um, the train yard where they keep the Jubilee line trains. Okay. So again, this is, you know, interlacing back into hip hop. It's kind mm. of like always had this fascination with trains, underground trains and train yards because of my love of graffiti. I'm walking past, I'm running past this train yard really late at night and someone sprayed on the wall of the fence. I want to be in there. And I just remember, you know, I'm looking into this train yard and all of the Jubilee line trains are all parked up and I'm on the outside and there's this piece of graffiti that says, I want to be in there. And it just struck me. It was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to be on the other side. Mm the other side is alive and I want to be there yeah. and so that. yeah that's you know kind of how it began and then you know the rest of the story is yeah. relatively known you know we started working with Nike because we had the Nike connection anyway we moved into the stair space in in Shoreditch 1948 but also you know for me run them you know there was a personal desire to want to run but there was also this thing of I'm working with lots of kids who are really unmotivated by education mm. but they love sport right you know they would literally come to school for one lesson a week. <laughs> and the rest of the week, they are ghost. Yeah. So I was just thinking to myself, you know, um, you know, what is, it, what is it about youth projects? What is it about school that kids don't like? And I, I realised it was just the way that it's taught. But the language of sport, the way that, you know, sport is spoken about in advertising is really powerful for young people. Yes, and it transcends, yeah. Because it's direct and it's to the point. Yeah. Just do it. You know what I mean? Go get it. You know, so I started using a lot of kind of sports advertising in my poetry lessons because the language is poetic. Mm-hmm. You know, the way people talk about sport is very poetic. And then, you know, I, I live in East and they're kind of, they're built, you know, there's, the Olympics are coming. Yeah. And they're telling us that, you know, this amazing Olympic park is going to be built on your doorstep. And they're going to, you know, once the Olympics come and go, the whole of London is going to be in the park using the facilities. Mm. And I'm like... No, they're not. If it's not cool. Because fitness is not cool. Yeah. It's 2006, 2007. Like, people aren't just running around. Mm. And then I have a load of kids who I meet who are kind of... taught a group of kids who lived in Lewisham. They were 16. They'd never been to Oxford Street. 
And I was just like, what do you mean you've never been? It's the centre, it's the capital of like, like you've yeah, never been. They were yeah. like, we can't go because of postcode wars. And I was just like, there's got to be a way to safely get young people from one area to another. And so all of these things kind of went into this melting pot. And this is, yeah. it was this idea of like 20 kids in hoodies, you're crossing the road. 20 kids in running vests and little shorts, you're applauding. Yeah. So let's yeah. see what we can yeah. do. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. you a little bit about my power hour because yes. this is the power hour podcast and yeah i guess my power hour is do you know anything about my power hour i know about your power hour yeah getting yep. up early uh, yep. every day that consistency going to bed early i wake up i look at my instagram I'm like damn this girl's out already man like <laughs> what that is what i get from people they're like how have you done that before i've cleaned my teeth yep. but yeah it became a thing for me and once i started getting up early and realizing the benefits in my own life i was you know sharing it with other people and similar to what you described people were seeing it they weren't yep. just me telling them get up early they were seeing me you know at the school run with energy being like oh, I've done this I've done that you know I've already had my run had my shower maybe sent some emails starting the day kind of ahead not mm-hmm. feeling like I was chasing the clock so yeah I guess I want to find out from you Charlie what time did you get up today and do you have a morning routine I woke up today at seven o'clock yeah and that's because I actually went to bed late Okay. Unfortunately, I'm a victim of the music industry, yeah. which has swapped my hours around. So I've always been a nocturnal person. Night owl. But I'm a now- night owl who exists on a small amount of sleep and can still wake up early and function. So you're a rare breed, though. I'm a very rare, very breed, rare breed, but it's becoming increasingly hard. And it is something that I'm really kind of trying to reverse because okay. I love waking up early and I love being up. I like being up and about when other people aren't about, mm. up and about. Yeah, it's magic. You know? Oh, I love it. So... um the waking up time, which we try and get out of the bed, you know, by eight o'clock at the latest, yeah. regardless of what time we've finished from the studio, what time we've gone to sleep. Morning ritual, a uh, cup of hot water with lemon. Mm-hmm. And then um, some time spent in the garden. I have a mural in my garden that says I'm enough. I like to spend some time just looking at that and kind of, you know, really taking in what that means. Mm. Because I feel in the job that we both do which is kind of as brand ambassadors and working with brands is kind of your self-esteem you know and your self-worth is always at the mercy of someone who moves less than you sure <laughs> love that yeah, people yeah. Going. you know so you can kind of you're you know you're you know i work as a brand consultant so you're always job judged by job to job okay so this affirmation of i'm enough um i generally try and write some words in the morning you yeah. know i might write some poetry in the morning maybe listening to some music Meditation, mm-hmm. you know, yoga practice. Yes. As well. I'm seeing this. So I feel like yeah. you haven't completely hung up those running shoes, but I'm seeing you barefoot. I'm seeing yes. you stand on one leg. Yeah. So congratulations <laughs> on yeah. newly qualifying as yeah. 250 hours. Yeah, 250 hours, vinyasa flow, yoga teacher. That is I am. And again, awesome. that came out of um, kind of getting injured and then kind of being recommended yoga mm-hmm. and then falling in love with yoga, yoga world and 
then going to yoga events and the yoga retreat and just looking around and being like this is all cool but all the people here can afford to be here yep you know and the people I work with on a daily basis and are trying to reach don't know yoga exists Mm. don't understand it's for them Mm. think they're too inflexible to try think they're the wrong size or the wrong colour or the wrong gender to to do it you know what can I do to basically you know open that world up to them so yeah so you know um, you know back in the, the running shoes are back on Training for London Marathon. Yes, okay, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, I got, you know, it's mad. I got awarded a Spirit of London Award. Congratulations. Thank you very much Incredible. indeed. Incredible. Well deserved, I mean. Thank you very much. It comes as a surprise <laughs> to no one. I mean, it was crazy because I kind of went to the, you know, I got award, you know, nominated for this award and I'm kind of like, okay, cool, I'm going to go along. And then I get there and it's like Doreen Lawrence is there, Stephen Lawrence's mother is there, Fart mother is there, um, wow. Michael Watson's there, like... You know, Paul Radcliffe is there. There's all these people who've been up for awards. And I'm, suddenly I'm like, man, I wore trainers. It's a big deal, <laughs> yes. You know, and I get there and I get awarded this award. And then they're like, you know, and because we've awarded you this award, we've now give you lifetime entry into the London Marathon. What? No pressure. You're like, hang on, I've done that. Like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I've got to train for that again. <laughs> yeah, I've done London Marathon quite a couple of times, quite a few yeah, times. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to go back in again. So, but yeah, but you know, I think it's going to be an interesting journey this time because, yeah. you know, We've got the yoga practice now. Yep. We're a bit more mindful of what we're eating. Mm-hmm. We're just a bit more aware of the body. Yep. So I think it's going to be a different... And we're not going out to batter ourselves like we did the, like the last time when it was like, right, I'm going to run sub 3.30. I'm going to go in. And I was yes. like running like 70 miles a week. I was killing myself. Like, you know, wow. really, I just went in hard. Because it's, you know, again, that fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Don't want to let anyone down. Yeah. Don't want to let myself down. Well, I don't know if you know about my last marathon venture in Berlin, which was in September, which I did not make it to the finish line. And that was hard. I mean, in yeah. in lots of ways, you yeah. know, mentally, emotionally, physically. It, it hurt more, you know, emotionally than it did. In Where did you get to? So I got to mile 15. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I should have stopped way sooner. I basically yeah. had a, a foot injury. Yeah, because you had the foot injury before foot you went. Yeah. Before I even went. And yeah. I think it was one of those things, you know, I'd spent four months training for that race. Yeah. I was not about to just not even try. Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is always, you know, reward yourself for your willingness to try and your yeah. willingness to show up regardless yeah. of the results. So yeah. I thought, well, you've got to you've got to live by your words. So I thought, yeah. you know what, I'm going to turn up. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to yeah. tell everyone, oh, I'm injured. I'll just go. Yeah. So I got to the start line, you know, uh, set off and yeah I'd say, I'd say by 10k in I'm like yeah, this damn that. foot I was like, yeah, pain yeah, yeah, pain yeah. Yeah. and then I'm like no mind of a matter the mind is the master of the body Adrian you've got this I did not I did not have this I've done it, that. the pain yeah. oh so okay so with the so with your power hour yes. do you think that have you always had it are you intentional about it do you think that it's helped you do you think that it helps you you know with what you do with who you are it helps my mental health okay you yeah. know um it's no secret that I started running because, I, you know, I was basically depressed. I was going through depression, you mm-hmm. know. And so running was my alternative to dealing with having to take medication. I was like, I don't want to have to take this pill mm-hmm. and then wait to be happy. Yeah. What else can I do which will have the same result? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I got into the running. Um, I find that having some kind of order of things that I do in the morning yep. kind of just helps me mentally prepare mm-hmm. for the day. Because... From the moment I turn my computer on, yeah, it's just people picking my brain, yeah, take and asking take. for inform- you know, time, yes, and it's every day and it's constant and you know people have got absolutely no idea the amount of people who basically because 
there's people who know me from music so I have music people coming then there's the literature world that's coming into my inbox then there's the you know the random crew world that's coming in then yeah. there's like the brand consultancy then there's the, the lectures and the talks and then there's the, the kid the youth work mm. and then there's the you know the family and yeah, the yeah your family there's all your friends stuff. your circle it's coming into my head demanding my time yeah. demanding a piece of me and it can be really overwhelming mm-hmm. if you don't set your foundations yeah so one of the things I've learned, you know, from being a yoga teacher, there are certain moves that actually, they're very easy to do, mm-hmm. but they require balance. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They require balance. Um, tree pose is a really kind of classic example. When you're working with beginners and they're doing trying tree pose, it's, like, it's kind of unnatural. You're standing on one leg, you feel like a stork, you know, you kind of got your heads and your hands in some kind of spiritual position. Yeah. Um, what often happens is you kind of go into it and then you still have to step out because your balance isn't right. And then you find people rushing to try and get themselves back into it mm-hmm. without setting their foundations. Okay. You know what I mean? Without going through the process of these are the foundations that I have to do in order to get myself into this, you yep. know, this post. So very much, you know, taking that on board, my thing is kind of like the morning routine sets me up for the day. If I don't do this routine, then I can't be... The, I can't give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't give them the energy that they demand from me. Yeah. So therefore, gotta have these foundations. Yeah, I hear that too. I can relate, and I I love my morning routine, and I love that for me. You know, that hour before people, like you said, are after you, before yeah. there's WhatsApps, emails, mummy, this, that, so many things. You want to be. You need some time to cultivate for yourself, and yeah. I feel like if that time comes later in the day, once all the things are done and then you're tired you're exhausted yeah, then yeah. you know that that time that you've left for yourself is rubbish time yeah. you know i want to i want to have some time every day for myself which is powerful which is yeah. good time and i can yeah. show up myself and be you know fully charged yeah. um okay cool and i love how you talk about time there because i have two questions for you both quite specific talking about time <laughs> so one is that i believe time truly believe that time is the most valuable most definitely have definitely whatever it is question. you can get your money back you cannot yep. get your time back yep. firstly i think if we only had one hour each day so i've only got one hour that i'm committed to doing something that is going to help my physical and mental well-being yes what should i be doing more of and what should i be doing less of wow okay so if you've only got an hour yeah first thing is take the battery out of your phone and go and bury it somewhere in the garden <laughs> so like okay because the phone just eats in time yeah it also, the problem with the phone is it, it's, it kind of gives you problems with posture. Uh-huh. So I deal with, as a yoga teacher, I deal with lots of people who have the heavy neck syndrome, yeah. which is yes. head is the heaviest part of your body yeah. and they spend all the time looking at their phone. Yeah. So now they're having problems with the neck, which is going against the back and, you know, compensated with the hips and blah, 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 blah. I've heard about this in the beauty industry as well. Apparently yeah. it's called tech neck. Yeah. People <laughs> yeah. feel like they're getting like the skin on their neck and they're all saying, right, lift your head up, yeah. put some fancy cream on to get rid of this tech neck. It's yeah. a natural thing. It's a natural thing, yeah. <laughs> so that's one of the things. Um, you know, I, t- I t- always say to people is do whatever makes you feel happy. Mm-hmm. Because... Everyone's body is different. And so this is one of these things where people are kind of like, particularly because of social media, it's like, oh man, you know, number 54, they've all turned vegan. Great. I'm going to turn vegan too. Even if that is not necessarily what's the best thing for your body. You know, oh man, you know, number 55, they're they're running an ultra. Okay. I'm going to go and run an ultra too. That might not be your distance. You might just be a 5K person, so just concentrate on that. So I say to people, you know, the most thing you can do, best thing you can do in an hour is to stay curious. Mm -hmm. 
because then what happens is you you investigate different things you know and then I always say to people is make the fitness system that works for you yes i.e. it might be okay I'm taking a little bit of Muay Thai and I'm taking some Jiu Jitsu and a little bit of running and I'm sprinkling a bit of yoga and that's my system yeah because ultimately at the end of the day you know it's somewhere along the line people create these systems and then they realise oh my god I can make some money from this Mm -hmm. and then that becomes an official thing yeah so start your own thing yeah so start your own thing I always say to people I'm not training people to run marathons I've got no interest in what your marathon time is Mm -hmm. what I want to know is are you fit enough to live in the city where you've chosen to live yeah and you know because I know if I say to a kid look if you've got 13 miles underneath your belt you can go anywhere in London yeah. Just not really that big. Yeah. You know, um, you know, if you can basically do 10 press ups, then if there's an emergency and you have to push yourself up from the floor, yeah. your own body weight, then you can do that. Mm-hmm. Have functional fitness skills yeah. as opposed to look at me lifting these heavy weights in the gym. Oh, I can't lift my own body weight or yeah. I can't actually stretch my arms above my head. Or actually, if I got chased, I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. But my body's going to look really good when I go to Iron Apple. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of, it's yeah. such an old school. And again, what I say to people is like, run them. We are trying to inform where fitness industry is going. Yeah. And the idea of what a fitness community is. Yeah. So we have people in run them now who don't run. Scandal. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so running crew, what are you talking about? They it's don't a running run. crew. We have people that don't run. They move. Yeah. You know, and as I always say to people, you don't have to be able to run to be part of Run Them because we're a movement crew now. That's where we're going because there are 50 billion running crews all around the world. Yeah. So our thing is we've got rock climbers in there. Yeah. We've got swimmers. We've got runners. We've got, you know, we've got people from all different types of disciplines. And then we've got people who don't move at all. They're just creatives. Right. You know, and our thing... want to be a part of the community. We, at the beginning of every Run Them crew session, we have about a 45-minute housekeeping where all we do is talk and crack jokes and this brings people together. And we, a lot of times what happens is people, new people come and they're like, you know, they're very keen. Yeah. Cause they're so, partly because they're a bit nervous. And they're keen and they're turning on the Garmin's and the Garmin's are beeping on all off the place and they're just like, you know, and they're stri- making dramatic stripping down of the tracksuits to sew the short shorts and they're like, when are we going to run? We've just been sitting on the floor for 45 minutes. Like, because this is the most important part. Yeah. This is why it works. Community. It's not because it's, it's of the running. I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to get rid of the phone and we're going to move more. We're going to get rid of the phone. We're going to move more. We're going to stretch. I mean, I always say to people is get out of your chair. Yeah. Stretch your body in whatever way feels good for you. Mm-hmm. This is something that I noticed from having like, you know, having a dog and a cat. When you wake up in the morning and they wake up, the first thing that they do is they stretch themselves out and then they go and seek some sunlight. This is my final question, which I asked to everybody. And that is all about time again the focus what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you (laughs) and it can be a nutshell or it can be you know the most valuable thing that time has taught me well first of all i agree that it's the most valuable character i would say that you know for young people Mm -hmm. the most valuable thing you can give them is your time yes you know an hour of your of a billionaire's time you know, where they teach you how to spend it, you know, how to invest a billion <laughs> is better than you just giving them a billion and being like, yeah. oh, off you go, do what you want to do. And it's all they want. I think that's all they want. Yeah. We forget that's all they want. Yeah. You know, they just want that time with you, really yeah. focused time. Yeah. Um, the most important, it's a really interesting, I knew you were going to ask me one question <laughs> that's going <laughs> to really thing? stump me. Yeah. 
I mean, okay. The most important thing that time has taught me is this. Is it like to be on time is to be late? Yes. To be late is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And then there's a middle one in there, which yeah. obviously I can't remember. To be know. early is to be on time. To early be on time. Yeah. To be on time is to be late. Yeah. And to, and be, to late. be late is to be is unacceptable. Yeah. I think I crashed all of those rules today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I kind of, um, I think... So it's important to you, though, the, to, kind yeah. of, to be, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not loyalty, but it's like, it's to your word. You know, if you're giving someone your time, if you've committed to them, you're going to yeah. be there. You're yeah. going to show up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of time is, it is the most important currency mm. in the world. And, you know, I often say, just you know, just use it to its best. Use the time that you have to its best ability because tomorrow is not guaranteed. You know, and as someone who's come from the music industry and I've seen some, you know, people, big parts of my life. You know, one of the reasons why I started running actually is because one of my friends died in his sleep. Wow. And that was like, we were the same age. And that was a real big like, man, like we're the same age and there's so much I haven't done. Yeah. You know, so many places I haven't been, so many people I haven't met, so many experiences I haven't had. You know, I, used to, I need to use this time that I have yeah. wisely. So where can people find you online and in real life? So online, you can find me on my personal Instagram, daddydarkrdc. Yeah. Um, you can find Random Crew at run.dem.crew. We're open to all, but just don't email us asking us about information about the running club. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, Do your like, homework. Come you're on. Unlikely to get a reply. Um, and then, other than that, you can just find me out and about. Mm-hmm. I'm easy, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm easy to find. Okay. But as I say to people, I'm known by the people who need to know me. Yes. Because it's like not that. about this kind of like, I need the world to know who yeah, I am. It's about that. It's yeah. like, those who need to know me know who I am. And those who need to find me can find me. As but, I did. Yeah, yes. as you did. Yes, I did. Thank yeah. you so much, Charlie. No, thank you. Absolutely loved having you as a guest. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really hope that you enjoyed the episode today. Make sure that you subscribe and please do leave us a review on iTunes. It's really, really important. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. See ya. Take care. Bye. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com